What it do, baby? What's up, Summit Park? Jeez. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something. That was a very warm welcome for me. But can we give Jesus an even better praise, right? Come on. Come on. Do you love him? Do you love him? Goodness. Let me tell you before you take your seat, it is such an honor to be here. I'm telling you, Scott and Jen Obrimsky are amazing people. I'm not just saying that. Absolutely amazing, generous, kind, awesome people. And this building, though? This building, though? Already 300 souls won from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light already? That is incredible. And so my wife and I, we're grateful um, to be here. You guys can be seated. We're so grateful to be here. I'm, it, it's, I, yeah, I'm happy. All right? I'm glad to be here. Uh, I want to introduce you to my wife real quick. Can, baby, can, I know you didn't stand up last service, but can you just stand, please? Please just stand. Turn around to the people. Wave at the people. <clears throat> there goes my baby. You don't know how much it means to call you my girl. Hey, that's a... <laughs> I love that girl, man. I love that girl. We were married young. I think, what, you were 18? I was 20 when we got married. Um, 2005, both of my parents were killed in a plane crash. Hate to put that on you, but that's what happened. That's my story. And uh, six months after we were married, Six weeks after we were married, we dated for six months before we got married. Day one, God told me she was mine. And I did the church thing and told her, God said, God said, you are my wife. She said, well, he didn't tell me that. Get out of my face. But it turned out I was right, like I usually am. Amen. And, and, uh, and, 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 and here we are. We're together. We will, we will be married 18 years in December. Let's celebrate marriage. The love connection is coming. So we want to see longevity in marriage again. Somebody say amen. 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 Also, we have kids. We... And I say that because we have a lot of them. Put my picture up. Those are my babies right there. That is my daughter. She's the oldest. That is Amaris. She's 16. The youngest is Aiden. He is nine. Next is Ashton, right there without the red hair, with the hat on. He is 12. And then my namesake, Armour the Fourth, is 14 years old. And uh, those are my four kids. I got a lot of, just looking at this picture is giving me anxiety. Because I really have a lot of kids. And like, that's not just a lot of kids, that's a lot of school supplies. Come on, somebody. A lot of school fees. Did we have fees when we were kids? Like, they have fees. I'm like, fees? What are we? Okay, but we're going to pay the fees or whatever when we get ready to pay the fees. Can we have a payment plan or something? That's four kids. Can I put the fees on layaway? Somebody say amen. 
I got to get a second mortgage to pay fees. But there's my wife's head peeking through because everybody's taller than her. And then there's me in the back. And we're at, obviously, we're at Disney. And I came home broke. Don't clap. Do not clap for Disney. Because Mickey is a robber. And so, yeah, so, so those are my babies. But listen, I want to get right into this. Who's ready for the word? <laughs> yes, yes. Listen, and, and I, don't, I don't take preaching engagements lightly, but I've been praying for you guys ever since they asked me um, to be here. And I believe that I have a word specifically for Summit Park Church, specifically for the season that you're in, and not just the season you're in, but the one you're going into. Okay, um, and, and, and I just want need, I know I need to release this and communicate this um, because I feel God is going to continue to blow our minds and to blow your minds. But, but there are some things he wants to do in between the blowings of our minds, right? Because if we had it our way, God would just be blowing our mind like all the time. We'd go through nothing, right? But it's just like, no, God is like, no, I can't have it that way. Okay, whatever. Let's go to Exodus 14, Exodus 14, and we're going to look at two verses from Exodus 14 that I'm um, going to lift kind of my subject out of, <clears throat> but then we're going to continue to go through 15, and you're going to see that's where the substance is going to come from. That's where God's going to speak to us at, Exodus chapter 15, but 14 is where I'm going to lift my subject. We're going to look at verse 29 and verse 30. I don't know if they have those on the screens or whatever. 14, 29, and 30. Yeah, there we go. It says, <clears throat> but the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Remember that? That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. Now, we read things like this. Let me have your attention. We read things like this, and we don't really see how crazy that is. Listen to the detail. The Lord led them through a sea on dry ground. Somebody say dry ground. Now, the ground underneath the sea ain't supposed to be dry, right? If water is on top of it, then the ground's got to be what? But the scripture is specific to say God made the ground dry. Why? Because I think God did not want any residue or any footprints from where they were walking through to get into the new place. But here's the point that I want to make. This is a miracle. This is a miracle. Reading this, this should make you say, wow. Everybody say, wow. But I'm not going to park there. I don't want to dissect the wow. My subject is what comes after wow. Well, what comes after God blows our mind? What comes after the miracle? What comes after he answers our prayer? What comes after God doing what we've been begging him to do? What is next? And so I told you Israel has been set free from hundreds of years of bondage. They have been enslaved to Egypt. They have been building the empire of Egypt. 
Not the kingdom, the empire. Kingdom and empire biblically are two different things. God has a kingdom. Worlds have empires. Mocking the kingdom. But anyway, they've been building Pharaoh's empire. And they're tired. They're fed up. And the scripture specifies that there are 600,000 men, not even including the women and children, which means theologians agree that there's over a million people that are walking out of Egypt through a Red Sea. God makes it clear to us that he purposefully led Israel the long way. He said, I need you to go the long way because if you go the short way, it's shorter, but you'll see war and want to go back. He says, I need you to go the long way toward promise. And because of this particular path set out before them, they ran into the Red Sea, right? Which seemingly no way out and the Egyptian army pursuing them, God performs the mother of all miracles, opens up the sea. They walk on dry ground. The Egyptians feel like because they did it, they can do it too. They went after them, got swallowed up. They're on the other side. I can see them now. Yay! woo We did it! Come here, girl. Give me a high five. Hey, bro, let me get a hug. We made it. We made it. We are on the other side. We made it. Woo! So glad we made it. Yes, yes, we made it. And everybody is singing, and everybody is celebrating, and everybody is happy, and everybody is excited. They are expectant. They are relieved. They are joyful. They are wowed by the awesomeness of Almighty God. And I can imagine with this moment taking place in the mind of Moses when his celebration sobers up really quick and his excitement shifts to focus on the fact that, yes, a miracle just happened. Yes, the Egyptian army has been swallowed up by the sea. Yes, the people are finally out of Egypt. Yes, they're finally in favor. But God didn't bring them out of Egypt for them to throw a party at the banks of a miracle. God brought them out of Egypt to fulfill a calling and a mission. I love parties. God loves parties, but we can't party our way away from calling. I'm almost positive that while the people were throwing a party due to the miracle, Moses was asking himself, what now? What am I going to do now? What's next? Where are we going? What am I going to do with all these people? What's going on? What are we going to do? Because we can't just live forever off of what just happened. Because there's a destiny we're assigned to. You, you can't live forever off of the wow. You can't live forever off of what God did. And there is a principle I feel like God told me to make sure I deliver to Summit Park Church. There was a purpose attached to what God performed. And the purpose of the miracle is for the miracle to be fuel for the mission. The, the purpose of the miracle is for the miracle to fuel the mission. The purpose of the miracle is for the miracle to fuel the next place, the motivation for whatever God is getting ready to do. It is the assurance of God's hand and the assurance of God's ability to perform in your life. It is to be used to solidify your confidence in where you are going and who you are called to trust. But if we were to get real, and I know somebody in here don't want to get real, but you're going to get real today. If we were to get real, the reality is that a lot of people mismanage momentum miracles are purpose for. 
We love what God does, big stuff, and we just camp there. Girl, where are you at? The last place God did something big in my life. And God is like, okay, I did that yesterday, but I want to do something new today. I did what I did. Yes, I did. I blew your mind, baby girl, but it's something else I want to blow your mind about. And if you continue to camp and party at the last miracle, you'll miss what God wants to do later. Some of us mishandle the momentum of a miracle. And the best way I can illustrate it is raise your hand if you're an outdoorsy person. I don't, I don't like anybody who just raised their hand. I don't like you. As a matter of fact, we just got our patio furniture delivered that we ordered like 10 months ago and uh, supply chain. And um, I have mosquito bites on my legs and arms right now. I hate the outdoors. But I have friends who love the outdoors. As a matter of fact, it's ironic that I'm preaching here because right up the road is the home of the Lee Summit Tigers. That is where I graduated from in 2002. Any tigers in here? Let's go, baby! Lee Summit Tigers, it is what it is, all right? Broncos, West, Titans, whatever, but we Lee Summit over here because that's where we at, all right? So, so I had this friend named Matt. Now, I was the guy that was going to bring everybody together. I had black friends, white friends, Asian friends, all kind of friends. But my white friend's name was Matt, and Matt was an outdoor guy, and I didn't know nothing about outdoors. I like to be in the house watching TV. But Matt was like, dude, armor, dude. Let's go hunting. Matt took me hunting. Matt loved to hunt with bow and arrows and stuff. So I went hunting with Matt. One day I went something called body surfing with Matt. <laughs> Told you, Matt was my adventurous friend. Like, get you an adventurous friend. And so I'm body surfing, and I'm almost drowning. Like, I can't do it. I'm like, bro, come get me. Oh, come get me. He's like, armor dude. I'm like, what, what? He's like, Armor, he said something that changed my life. He says, Armor, you can't fight the wave. you got to flow with the wave. You can't fight the momentum. you got to flow with the momentum. And it is the same way when God performs a miracle in your life. You cannot fight the wave. you got to flow with the wave. You cannot stay where he did it. you got to go where he's sending you. It is about mission and not about miracle. The momentum caused by a miracle is meant to move you into mission. So the question shouldn't be, God, what are you getting ready to do next? That's not just the question we need to ask. I know we want to know that, but that ain't just the question we need to ask. The question we need to ask is, God, what do you want me to do with what you just did? What do you want me to do with this season? What do you want me to do with this mind-blowing thing you just did? How, watch this. Watch this. Let me get you. How do you want me to love my neighbor because of this? How do you want me to serve my church because of this? How can I better love my wife because of this? How can I better love my husband because of this? How can I be a better parent to my children because of this? How can I be a better partner with my church because of this? How can I be a better person in my community? Where do you want me to serve because of what you did? Not just, God, what's next? It's like, no, 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 no. God, what do you want me to do with what you just did? So the question is, what comes after while? Because we have to get it in our hearts that the miracle is the motivation, it's not the destination. We, we don't live life in love with the wows, we live life in love with the Lord. So whether he wows me or not, I'll follow him wherever he sends me. 
Because it's not about miracles, it's about mission. Somebody say mission. So this wow that God did was amazing. But there needed to be a fresh trust in the next place God was sending them. Why? Remember, they were disconnected from God. These are God's people. He's coming to get them. He's coming to get them. A lot of them don't even know him for real. They don't even know. And so the first things they see about God are locusts and fleas and death and blood and flies and killing the firstborn and darkness. And they like, okay, buddy, I don't know if I. And so looking at that, that is a trust for that season. But God bringing them into a new place knew he needed to birth a trust not for plagues in them, but for provision. That God provided plagues for them to be released, but now they needed a fresh trust to trust God to provide while they were going into promise. Is that anybody's story here today? That you just want fresh trust? That you're still trusting God based on what he did? When God is trying to give you fresh trust because of what he's getting ready to do? That you're believing God for what he did? You're believing God for where he was? But God is like, I know you're there, but I'm not. And you have, to, you have to have fresh trust birthed in you. So he's getting ready to do it. He's moving them from plagues to provision. You've seen me destroy your enemies. Now you're about to see me provide for you. You've seen me destroy them. I destroyed them. You've seen it. You're terrified. Good, and you should be. He says, he says but, but there's things that I want to do for you that you're going to have to trust me to do. And so I'm about to take you through a process. Somebody say a process. Let's look at Exodus chapter 15, 22. Are y'all still with me or no? Good. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. Mm. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. They went into the desert of Shur. Hmm. Sure or unsure? Hmm. Desert of Shur. So they led Israel. God led Israel from the Red Sea to the desert of Shur. Now I looked at this thing because I'm a Bible guy. I love words, etymology. I love symbolism. I love God speaking through words. I love looking at the Greek. I love looking at the Hebrew. I just love it. I love it. And so looking at this, the Lord has revealed through the name Shur that God was leading them from the Red Sea to Shur. Guess what Shur means? Somebody say the wall. So now Israel is being led from the wow to the wall. From the wow to the wall. From the wow, <laughs> Scott, to the wall. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to go from the wow to the wow. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Blow my mind, God, every, do it again. I see you move. You know what I mean? You move the mind. I, I seen it. But what do you do when God takes you from the wow to the wall? Hmm. Somebody say the wall. What comes after the wow? I'll tell you the first thing we see is, number one, after the wow comes the wall. The wall. Somebody say the wall. I need everybody to say the wall. This side say the wall. Middle say the wall. My left say the wall. The wall. Have you, I'm, to, I'm not a runner, but I've been told that there's a such thing called a runner's wall. I'm not, any runners in here, raise your hand. 
I'm jealous of you. But there's this thing where you can go, 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 and all of a sudden you hit this wall where it's like either you stop or you break through. Somebody say the wall. Have you ever hit the, 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 the wall? I'm not talking about the physical wall. I'm talking about have you ever hit the mental wall? Have you ever hit the emotional wall? Okay, maybe not you, but maybe this is you. Have you hit the spiritual wall? Have, have you reached a place where you're just exhausted? I don't want to sing another song. Don't want to lift my... Tell me lift my hands again. I mean... I don't want to make some noise for Jesus. I've hit a wall. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I am weary. I am sad. I am broken. I am not excited. I am on autopilot. I have hit a wall in my life. I've hit a wall in my marriage. I've hit a wall in my family. I am at a wall. I am on autopilot, baby. I can't hear what anybody has to say. I'm just trying to focus on being alive right now. I need to tell you, after every wall, after every while, there will be a wall. And the test of God is, can you remember the wow while standing at the wall? Can you remember the last time you were broken and God put you back together? Can you remember the last time you were done and God gave you more energy? Can you remember the last time your marriage was in shambles and God brought restoration? Can you remember the last time your money was funny and God took the comedy out of it? Can you remember the last time? If you can remember the wow, you can make it through the wall. But we forget. We forget. And so God is like, you can't forget. Remember, he tells Israel, remember the Lord thy God when I bring you. Remember, remember. He always tells us, remember. He tells us in the New Testament, do this in re. Because it's something about our memory that brings power in our present. It's something about remembering what God did that brings the power to overcome what's happening now. It's, he, 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 your greatest tool is your mind. That's why Satan attacks it so much. If I just remember at the old church, we used to say, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah, thank God. Sometimes, watch this, in order to get over what the enemy is trying to do in your life, you need to just sit down and have a flashback. Remember all the times God saved you and delivered you and set you free and answered your prayers and gave you a mission and gave you life and gave you, who am I talking to in here? Look at somebody and say, I have a good memory. I Tell them, say, I have a good memory. I don't have amnesia when it comes to my God because I have to remember all those things. And so watch this. God led them from the wow to the wall. Why? Somebody say why. I'm glad you asked even though I told you to. Deuteronomy 8 and 2 says, this is Moses giving a recap in Deuteronomy. This is long, I'm sorry God, boring sermon by Moses. 
and he get, Moses wasn't the greatest preacher, but he kind of just gives this long history of what God has done because people need to remember. So in Deuteronomy 8, 2, he says, and you shall. See? The whole way that the Lord, the whole way that the Lord your God has, because we like to forget some parts. Right? We have selective amnesia. Right? And the thing we usually select to forget is who we used to be. Remember the whole you that the Lord, your God, has led you through these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you. Ooh, don't play with me, God. Test you to know what was in your heart. Mm. Scott, so this is three tests. We see three tests from the Red Sea to Sinai. We see a mind test. We see a soul test. And we see a heart test. We see a soul test. And we see a might test. This is why the Lord says, love me with your whole mind, your soul, and all of your might. He gives them three tests before they get to the mountain and they hear his voice and commands and be scared and all that stuff. And these three tests are getting ready to prove them. And he says, I want to test you. I want you to be humble. And I want to know what's in your heart. Somebody say a test. It's different than when you were in school. God's tests aren't pass or fail. I know we think that I failed that test. God, bring it around again, and I promise I'll pass it. And God is like, it's not pass or fail. What is it? God gives us tests for two reasons, humility and revelation. Humility and revelation. Humility. Why humility? He says he wants you to see where you are, and he wants you to see who you are soberly. Right? Because there's nothing like a test that really shows you who you are. Tests come with mirrors. Amen, somebody? And the real you emerges in the middle of a test. Now, you can act cute all you want in church today, but let you get in the middle of something you don't know how to get yourself out of. The real you will emerge. And so God uses a test to give you a mirror, which is humility. And number two, it's a gift because he brings a test in your life for you to give revelation of who he is. So the test can be from you a gift to God and from God a gift to you. And so God says, I want to humble you, I want to test you, and I want to know what's in your heart. Somebody say, know what's in your heart. Now, you know what's crazy? It's because God already knows everything. So why would he put that? Why would God put that he wants to know something when he already knows something? You're omniscient. We learned that in Sunday School 101, that God is omnipotent, all-powerful. He's omnipresent, everywhere at the same time. And he's omniscient, omniscience. He's all-knowing. So why would he put in there, I want to know something, when you already know what you're talking about you want to know? But if you look at that word on surface, you'll miss the meaning. Underneath the surface, the word in Hebrew is yada. It's the same word where it says Adam knew his wife Eve and she conceived and bore a son. So it's not just head knowledge, it's experiential intimate knowledge. And this is God giving us example. God says, I'm not going to settle on knowing what's in your heart. He says, I want to experience what's in your heart. God's omniscience doesn't stop him from wanting actual experience with us. So what did God want, Scott? God wanted to experience their heart in real time. Just who he is. He, he's so cool. His love, watch this. God's love isn't just content with knowing everything about you. What is it? His love wants to experience everything with you. Isn't that powerful? 
that God doesn't just know it and let me go through it, but God knows it and gets in it with me. That so, yes, they were in the wilderness, but guess who else was with them? How do we know? He says, I'm going to go before you. How? In the daytime, I'm going to be a pillar of cloud. At the nighttime, I'm going to be a pillar of fire. He could have said, I'm going to just send you and I'll see you when you get there. He says, no, I know you're going to make it, but I'm such a good God and I love you so deeply and I love you so much that I don't want to just know it. I want to experience it. So all of your failures, God wanted to experience with you. All of the hardship God knew you were going to get into, guess what? He wanted to experience it with you because we have not a high priest in Hebrews, remember, who cannot be touched by what touches us. But it touched him, but without sin. Now we're able to come into the throne boldly and ask him for help in time of need. And so, did y'all get that point? I got to move, doggone it, let's go. Verse 3 in Deuteronomy 8. Verse 3, he gives them more revelation. He goes on, Moses says, then he says, man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus quotes this too to, to the enemy, to the devil in, in, the, in, in the wilderness, right? So they're in the wilderness here. And it's being quoted again. First, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Everybody say word. word. Say every word. word. Now, some of us get it misconstrued and we think every word is just the Bible. It is. But when God was talking here, they didn't have the Bible. They hadn't even gotten the law yet. So what is he talking about? Every word. Like, I read my word, my word, my word says, the word says, the word says. They didn't have the word says. So what is God talking about when he says every word? If you look at that deeply, it means God is saying, you shall not live off of the things you think are keeping you alive, but you shall live based on the obedience of your will to what I tell you. So what is he testing them? He's testing their will. He's testing their heart. He's testing their willingness to obey. He's saying, are you willing to wait for a word? Are you willing to sacrifice your emotions for a word? Are you willing to sacrifice, watch this, your expertise for a word? Are you willing to sacrifice your feelings for a word? Let's move. Every word means you only need, this is what God's saying, you only need whatever it is you feel like you need when I say you need it. And not a moment sooner. You need it when I say you need it. That's how you live on every word. When God says you need it, that's when it's coming. Exodus 15, 22. Then it says, they went to the Red Sea to the desert of Shur. Remember, Shur is the wall. They hit the wall. Then it says, for three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. Ooh-wee. Now, this blows me away because what just happened at the Red Sea? God led them through the, the what? So Israel is now desperately searching for the exact thing they were delivered through. They were just delivered through an abundance of what they're thirsty for now. Can I help you real quick? Sometimes the thing that came in abundance in the last season is going to take work in the next season. Sometimes what came easy to you last season 
And this next season God is going to bring into you, he's going to push the hard button on you. He's going to make that thing you're so good at, you're going to suck at it. I'm such a loving person, but you ain't met your cousin that you ain't. Ooh, you didn't have this coworker when you were a loving person. And God is like, <laughs> I'm about to see what's in their heart. I love them. I love her. I love him. And I know she was a lover in the last season, but I'm about to test her in this one. I'm such a giver. Yes, you were in the last season. But then gas prices went up. Inflation happened. Come on, somebody. And now you were such a giver when gas was $2. Now it's $20. And you're like, God, I know that I'm supposed to be advancing your kingdom with my money, but the Yeezy line just came out at Gap, and I got to go, no. They just were brought through an abundance of water. Now they're thirsty for the abundance they just were brought through. Three days they're walking. Pastor, what are you trying to say? And I got to go. The wow doesn't eliminate the work. That just because there's a wow moment doesn't mean there won't be a woe moment. Whoa, Nelly. I just got finished saying wow, now I got to say whoa, whoa, God. I did not expect them to get on my nerves like this. I did, I did not expect my husband to make me want to kill him. I did not expect my wife to make me want to sleep on the couch. I did not expect my children to make me want to give them back to you who gave them unto me. Whoa. You ever had one of those moments where it's like, whoa. What the heck is going on? It was just so good a week ago. Now, when you get into that high-pitched voice, that's when you mean it. It was so good a week ago. Now, look what, what's going on. And God's like, whoa. So scripture says they come to Mara. Mara means bitter. So they've been looking for water. I'm moving quick. I got to go. Hey, moving quick. I'm moving quick. Scott, I'm sorry. I got to go. I got to go. They're moving. So they're thirsty. Been looking for water for three days. You can only survive for water for like four or five days. So they're on the verge of death. And here's God seeing them about to die and still saying, wait. And they're traveling for three days looking for water. And they come to this well called Mara. And the reason it's called Mara is because it's bitter. It's bitter water. So they get to this place, it's bitter. And theologians agree, and, and some theologians agree, that Moses led them here without God even wanting him to go there. Remember, Moses spent a lot of time in this wilderness on the run from, from the run as a fugitive from murdering somebody. So I'm sure he navigated them to a place where he knew to get water, but when he gets there, it's bitter and they can't drink it. So now God is like, they about to kill me! Moses is like, they about to kill me! They about to kill me! I want to parenthetically insert this. I'm looking at the time. Just give me a couple more minutes, please, Scott. I'm sorry. Just a couple more, Scott. Thank you, Scott. Please, I try to be conscious of time, but I just, I don't, I come hard. To, it's hard. I'm t God is going to use you to help me in my life with that. I just believe it. But watch this. So they get to, they get to Mara, and doing a study on that, you'll see that it's bitter, but also it was 92% calcium and like 8% magnesium or something like that. Which, if you look at that, serves as a laxative. <laughs> you didn't have some Maalox before. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> Don't collapse. You didn't have something. You've been constipated. So watch this. 
They get there, and the water is bitter. But they still want to drink it. So God says, Moses, take the wood and throw it into the water. And when he threw the wood into the water, it became sweet. Then they started to drink. Now imagine a million people drinking a laxative in the hot desert sun. Oh, my God. Imagine how that smells. Imagine how that looks. Imagine how that sounds. And I think I can parenthetically insert this, that God didn't just want them out of Egypt. But God wanted Egypt out of them. That God wanted them to release what they had been holding on to from the place they just came. And you can look at me like that all you want, but it's some constipated Christians sitting up in here right now. Oh, you constipated. Why? Because you're still holding stuff from your past. You're still holding grudges from people who did you wrong. You're still holding on to bitterness. You're still holding on to unforgiveness. But I'm here to tell you, Pastor 83 showed up to give you a spiritual laxative. And God says, when you drink of his word today, he's getting ready to cause you to release the stuff you've been holding on to for too long. Touch somebody next to you and say, let it go. I'm done. Notice what he threw in the water. Somebody say the wood. Somebody say the wood. The wood was thrown in the water. Hmm, where have I seen the wood changing something from bitter to sweet before? Hmm, let's fast forward. Crucifixion of Jesus. He climbed up on a what kind of cross? Metal cross? Plastic cross. Plastic cross, pinata made cross with candy in it. What kind of cross was it? Can somebody shout and clap and give God praise over the fact that that wooden cross 2,000 years ago was thrown into the bitterness of your soul? And God turned the bitterness of your soul sweet again due to his saving blood and his miraculous power. Can we give God some praise in here? I can't hear nobody giving praise. If you used to be bitter and now it's sweet, make some noise. If you used to be a hater and now you're a lover, give God some praise. Ooh Thank you, Jesus. So watch this, and I'm done. Let me turn this iPad off so I can really know that I'm done. Verse 27, and I'm done. Really, I'm serious. It's as if it, I'm really done. I got to go. I got to go. Listen, it's as if, this verse just sits there. Verse 27, put that up for me. And I want us to read this together. Put uh, verse 27 up for me if you guys have it. If not, I'll just read it. I'm sorry. Exodus 15, 27, it says, Then...
still gave them provision there, but they didn't wait for a word. Because a million people, it's not conveyed. Think of how long that took for a million people to drink out of one bitter, laxative-laden well. I'm sure some people was like, the people in the end of the line was like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. See what that's doing to you? Nah, bro, I'm straight. But think of all the time it took. All the suffering it took. Had they just waited for the word, the scripture says in verse 27 that they came to Elim. And in Elim there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees. Why is that so significant? Mara and Elim are only nine miles away from each other. Literally, geographically, locationally around the corner. The blessing of God was around the corner, but they stopped at bitterness. They got bitter and stopped. They stopped praying, stopped praising, stopped worshiping, stopped attending, stopped giving, stopped loving, and let bitterness become their portion. Went around the corner from the bitter well were 12 springs and 70 palm trees. How many tribes in Israel? A spring for each tribe, which symbolizes there being more than enough, but they were content from drinking from one bitter well. Some of you are settling at one bitter well. You have settled at one bitter well and around the corner there's 12 springs and 70 palm trees, but you've stopped, you've gotten mad, you've gotten offended, you've gotten upset, you've gotten sick and tired, you've hit the wall and you've let the wall hit you back and you're done and you're over and it's finished and I'm done with God and I'm done with church and I'm done with everybody. You at home, I'm talking to you too. I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. When just around the corner is the blessing you've been praying for. The next while was around the corner and they let the wall get them to stop at the bitter place. As everybody stands to their feet in here. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Mm, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Somebody has stopped. Somebody has halted and you're drinking from a bitter well. And you just needed me to come here and tell you that around the corner was 12 springs. And you don't have to stop at that bitter place. You can be healed from that bitter place by the wood. The wood is here to heal you. And not just the wood, but he who hung on the wood is here to turn that bitterness into sweetness again. He's, he's here to give you the power to forgive. He's here to give you the power to change. He's here to give you power to walk right and talk right and think right and to love 
I want the elders to come, the prayer warriors to come to the front, those who pray with people. I want you to move as quickly as you can because I sense some people who will not be hindered by those on their left or their right who came to hear exactly what it is I had to say, who, who came and they've received what the Holy Spirit wants them to receive. I want right now, as the worship team prepares to begin to lift up the name of Jesus in worship, these people are here to pray for you. They're here to lead you to Jesus. They're here to pray for healing, healing. They're here to pray for restoration. If there's a marriage that needs to be restored, they're here. They are anointed to help move the agenda of God through and the kingdom of God breaking through into your life. They are here to lay hands and to pray. They are commissioned to pray for you. And I don't want you to be hindered by who's on your left or who's on your right. I want you to be unashamed and say, I need what God has for me today. And if that's you, as we begin to lift our hands, I want you to come down here right now and just let us pray with you. I want you to come and let us pray with you right now. Move quickly. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Look, there she is. Come on. Come on. Come on. Move quickly. Move quick. There they are. Come on. Y'all should be clapping for these people who are coming. Come on. They're unashamed. They're not worried about nobody in here. They're saying, I came to get something from God, and I'm going to get what I came to get from God. Come on. Those of you who want to get what you came to get from God, come on, let's move. Move and come get some prayer. If they're praying with someone, you can stand behind them and just wait. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, I love you, and I thank God for you. In Jesus' name, the wow happens what comes after the wow the wall the water and the wood in Jesus name amen